and welcome to this audio edition of Philip Husher's program notes for upcoming concerts by the Chicago Symphony Orchestra. I'm Rich Caparella, and concerts by the CSO on Thursday, April 28th through Tuesday, May 3rd, feature Ricardo Muti, joined by principal bass of the orchestra since 2012, Alexander Hanna. The program includes Hymn for Everyone by Jesse Montgomery, Giovanni Bottasini's Double Bass Concerto Number no. 2, and after intermission, Beethoven's Pastoral Symphony, the Symphony Number no. 6. Here are Philip Pusher's program notes on Jesse Montgomery's Hymn for Everyone, a work lasting around 12 minutes. In June, shortly after Jesse Montgomery was named the Chicago Symphony's new Mead Composer-in-Residence, the orchestra played her music for the first time, Strum, music for strings that is rooted in American folk tradition and governed by the spirit of dance. Her three-year appointment began July 1st. Picked by music director Ricardo Muti, she's been commissioned to write three new works for the orchestra, one for each of her three seasons in the post. Hymn for Everyone is the first of them. Like her immediate predecessors as resident composers in Chicago, Montgomery guides the orchestra's Music Now series, curating its programs of new works and writing music for the series as well. The next Music Now concert on Monday, May 23rd at the Harris Theatre for Music and Dance opens with Montgomery's Overture. It was the Music Now series under Missy Mazzoli's direction at the time, which introduced her string quartet Breakaway to Chicago audiences in 2019. Montgomery is a native of the Lower East Side of New York City. The arts were part of her daily family life. She remembers practicing violin in one room while her father, Edward Montgomery, was busy composing in another, and her mother, Robbie McCauley, a performance artist, director, and writer, was rehearsing in yet another space. Growing up as an artist in that world, Montgomery says she was always in a state of wonder. She was also accustomed to having many different cultures in her friend group. She started violin lessons at the Third Street Music School Settlement and now holds degrees from the Juilliard School in violin and New York University, a master's in composition for film and multimedia, and is completing her doctorate from Princeton University. Since 1999, she's been closely involved with Sphinx, a Detroit-based nonprofit organization that supports young African-American and Latino string players. In recent years, she's made time to continue appearing with Yo-Yo Ma's Silk Road Ensemble. She's still an active performer, and last summer she played in her own score for the premiere of Pam Tanowitz's dance piece, I Was Waiting for the Echo of a Better Day. Montgomery has devoted her career to working with young artists and musicians with diverse backgrounds and ideas, and she's known for immersing herself in the activities of the new music community, all of which she will continue in Chicago. Montgomery is also keenly aware that she will be working in the hometown of Florence Price. She calls her the godmother of black music, whose music the Chicago Symphony introduced on a history-making evening in 1933 when then-music director Frederick Stock premiered her Symphony No. 1. Montgomery will participate in the activities surrounding the orchestra's first performances of Price's Symphony No. 3 under Moody's baton next week. Montgomery's plate is full and overflowing. She's booked with commissions well into the future. As the New York Times reported in a profile of Montgomery in September, it's estimated that her orchestral scores were performed nearly 400 times last year.
In 2020, she was named to the Metropolitan Opera Lincoln Center Theater New Works Commissioning Program, one of three black composers picked in what was widely seen as a welcome reboot of one of America's most tradition-bound institutions. The significance of her emergence in today's cultural climate, especially heightened in the wake of George Floyd's murder and the Black Lives Matter movement, and the responsibilities it carries are not lost on Montgomery. Quote, we have to take into account that we are carrying a history inside of our beings and in the work that we do, she said recently. One can learn a lot about Montgomery by considering her music, the reasons she composes, the sensibilities she advocates. In Banner, Montgomery's signature tribute to the 200th anniversary of the Star-Spangled Banner from 2014, she addresses the question, what does an anthem for the 21st century sound like in today's multicultural environment? In Montgomery's hands, it's an exploration of the divides that slice through American culture. For most Americans, the song represents a paradigm of liberty and solidarity against fierce odds. And for others, it implies a contradiction between the ideals of freedom and the realities of injustice and oppression. Her whole catalog is animated by that kind of attention to the world around her. In a sense, it echoes what her mother, a pioneering artist whose work often dealt with issues of race, once said, find a way to house the contradictions rather than resolve them. Montgomery takes art that is firmly set in the present, which would not be notable today in theater or fiction, for example, but stands out in the world of classical music, which has for so long lived largely in the European past. Coincident Dances, the score the Chicago Symphony Orchestra played in October, is a kind of snapshot of musical life today, a fusion of different musics, English consort, samba, mbira dance music from Ghana, swing, techno. It captures what Montgomery describes as the multicultural oral palette one hears even in a short walk through a New York City neighborhood. But Montgomery's music suggests that she not only possesses the rare gift of writing music that reflects the complexity of our world, but one that will lead us forward. By already forging her own distinct voice in a crowded musical scene, a voice that melds and marries many different influences, she is well positioned to help guide the music of our multifaceted future. I've always been interested in trying to find the intersection between different types of music, she has said. I imagine that music is a meeting place at which all people can converse about their unique differences and common stories. Hymn for Everyone, the piece for the Chicago Symphony that Montgomery began during the pandemic, snapped into focus after the death of her mother last May. When Montgomery discovered that her mother had written a poem for everyone, the piece not only had a subtext as a musical tribute to her mother, but a title as well. And this is Jessie Montgomery herself on Hymn for Everyone. She tells us, Hymn for Everyone is based on a hymn that I wrote during the spring of 2021 that was a reflection on personal and collective challenges happening at the time. Up until that point, I had resisted composing response pieces to the pandemic and social-political upheaval and had been experiencing an intense writer's block. But one day, after a long hike, this hymn just came to me, a rare occurrence. 
the melody traverses through different orchestral choirs and is accompanied by the rest of the ensemble. It's a kind of meditation for orchestra, exploring various washes of color and timbre through each repetition of the melody. Words by the composer herself, Jessie Montgomery, and program notes by Philip Husher on Montgomery's Hymn for Everyone. And now on to Giovanni Bottasini's Double Bass Concerto No. 2, a work lasting about 16 minutes. Shortly after the premiere of Otello, Giuseppe Verdi wrote to Giovanni Bottasini asking for his advice about one of the opera's most spellbinding moments, the ominous unaccompanied melody for the double basses that marks Otello's entrance into Desdemona's bedchamber as he prepares to kill her. Staying in tune in this passage had proven to be difficult for the basses, Verdi said. Could Bottasini propose his fingering for the best and most secure solution? His authority in this field was so great, Verdi said, that his would be considered the definitive judgment. He was one of the artistic geniuses of Verdi's century, is how Bruno Barilli, a popular 20th century Italian music critic, identified Bottasini. The linking of these two men in the same creative realm was no mere coincidence, and it is a reflection of the high esteem in which Bottasini was held during his lifetime as a conductor, a composer, and, most prominently, a master of the double bass. The fact that the endlessly demanding Verdi at the peak of his career would turn to Bottasini for advice on a key musical detail is itself the highest of praise for Bottasini's expertise. Bottasini, the most imaginative of the virtuosi, in Barelli's words, had long been identified with another great Italian musician. The Paganini of the double bass was the nickname that had followed him throughout his career since he played a triumphant concert in Parma in 1843. Niccolo Paganini, who had died only three years earlier, was renowned as the greatest violin virtuoso of his time. His name had become synonymous with virtuosity itself, and as the composer-performer who carried violin technique to new, unimagined heights. Bottasini quickly achieved Paganini-like fame as a performer, and he, too, reset the limits on what was possible on his instrument. How he bewildered us by playing all sorts of melodies in flute-like harmonics, one English critic wrote, as though he had a hundred nightingales caged in his double bass. Bottasini's identification with the double bass was something of an accident. He grew up in a musical family. His father was a clarinetist and composer, and he studied the violin as a child. But when he applied to the Milan Conservatory, the only scholarships available were for bassoon and double bass. And so he switched to the double bass, which, reputedly, he learned to play well enough after just four lessons to be admitted at the age of 14. After four years of study, his mastery was so complete that he soon ventured where no double bass player before had gone and began a series of highly successful solo international tours to London and Paris, Buenos Aires and Havana, New Orleans and New York City, with which he conquered the musical world. When he first played in Vienna in 1840, a critic wrote that Giovanni Bottasini from Milan played with distinction as far as one would call the double bass a solo instrument. In one generation, Bottasini reset the public's perception of his instrument. No longer an unwieldy giant relegated to the back of the orchestra, it now deserved center stage attention as an instrument of brilliance, expressive subtlety, and melodic splendor. 
This concerto in B minor is the best evidence we have of Boltesini's phenomenal technical command because this is music he wrote to perform himself, to demonstrate his unprecedented mastery of the double bass and to prove the instrument's unsuspected expressive range. Unlike many 19th century virtuosos, Bottasini did not just compose music for his own performance, he also wrote a dozen operas, a requiem mass, and a number of orchestral pieces. The fiery first movement sets out to astonish, incorporating tricky coloratura harmonics, rapid runs, and sudden plunges from the high register to the depths of double bass territory. Today, Two centuries after Bottasini's birth and despite advances in instrument and string technology, this music is still endlessly challenging. But it also demonstrates Bottasini's skill as a composer. This is no anthology of musical effects, but thoughtfully written music of substance and beauty. The Andante is an aria, that is to say, music that relies on lyrical flow and highly expressive melody, normally the domain of great opera singers. The solo line is marked espressivo. The finale, a lilting allegro, brings back the fireworks. And a footnote about Verdi and Bottasini. For the high-profile world premiere of Verdi's Aida at the Opera House in Cairo in 1871, Bottasini was the conductor. Eighteen years later, it was on Verdi's recommendation that Bottasini became director of the Parma Conservatory just six months before he died. Program notes by Philip Huscher on Giovanni Bottasini's Double Bass Concerto No. 2. I'm Rich Caparella. Thanks for listening.